All right. We're just so glad to have you here this morning, Dorisville Baptist Church. Have we been blessed already? Amen. What a job the kids did. You guys remember the old A-team and you know, the guy that led the A-team said he loved it when a plan came together. And I just love it because I know what the message is about. I'm listening to this musical the guys are doing and just seeing how it's all coming together again. I'm going, yo, God, you are good, God. You are real good. But, you know, we've been kind of in a series, and a series is kind of a group of messages that kind of carry a common theme. And we started a couple, three weeks ago, and the whole idea was this. The idea was is that God is inviting us into a relationship with Him, and once He invites us to a relationship, then we have a journey to take with Him. We have a road trip to take with Him. And the journey is through the Son, Jesus Christ. It's not through being good or through being baptized or going to church or being Baptist or Catholic or something. It's all through grace and believing in Son, Jesus Christ, lived and died, buried and resurrected and coming again. It's all about Jesus Christ and our faith in Him, and then making a commitment to follow Him. And so it begins that relationship, and then we're called on a journey. And then you might say, well, I love the kid's story. You know, they were motivated to take a journey. And so, so what was the motivation for us to take our journey with God? Not a journey, but the journey with God. And so cool, because the scripture from Romans said, because of his amazing love, we should present ourselves as living sacrifices, okay? And that's our reasonable service. That's the thing we ought to do. And the, the cool thing about his mercy is this amazing rescue plan that he got for us. Because we were like totally separated from God. There's not a thing we could do about it. And God rescued us from our sin through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we begin today. So we begin today, and we talk about preparing for the journey, preparing in the case of uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, which is where we'll be preaching from today, is that idea of the race, the course that we're going to run. And the cool part is this. It really is all about encouragement and walking the walk, doing the journey with Jesus Christ or with God. And, and the cool part is, is one, I hope you'll get this today, one is you are not the first to struggle in this journey. I mean, the journey's hard sometimes, okay? Life is hard, and the journey is hard. You're not the first to struggle, and you never have to struggle alone. You're not the first to struggle, and you don't have to struggle alone. So go ahead and crack your Bibles, please, to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And it'll be on the screen, and your bulletin is also a sermon sheet where the scriptures are printed if you'd like to follow along with that. Got some points today. First off this, we'll begin with encouragement from the stands. Encouragement from the stands. This also is one of those scriptures I learned when I was a kid, you know. Kind of got the King James Version in my head. So I probably won't try to quote it to you because I got new King James this morning. But, but look what the author of Hebrews says. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, when I was a younger preacher, and man, it preaches good. I mean, it really is cool to think that, that the idea is, is that all these people who have followed you know, Jesus and God through all the Old Testament and New Testament, and they're up there in these big stands, they're going, go, preach, go. Go, preach, go. You can do it. Keep going. But that's really not the idea of what he has behind what he has behind is, is the witness of the people that were listed in the previous chapter. And chapter, Hebrew chapter 11 is this really huge roll call of significant people in the Bible. But here's what I want you to get. This is really cool. They were not ordinary, or extraordinary people. They were just like everyday people. In fact, here's something I'll tell you. Almost everyone in chapter 11 had something in their past. You know, you think if you're in the Bible, man, you've got to be really good. 
Not if you take a look. In fact, I challenge you to do something. There are very few people in the Bible who were really good all the time. Most of them had a big boo-boo in their life that they committed along the way. Take your Bibles, and again, Hebrews 12, but look at Hebrews 11 real quick. I mean, it's like the previous chapter. on mine the same page. Notice this. Look at verse number 30. By faith... The walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for 30 days. This is an Old Testament story where a bunch of people under the leadership of a guy named a guy named Joshua marched around a city for you know once for seven days and on the seventh day seven times, and the walls literally fell down. Do you see what's missing there? Look at the verse again. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Who's missing? The guy's name. Like Joshua's one of the big leaders of the Old Testament. He doesn't even make chapter 11, Brent. He doesn't even make the cut in God's Hall of Fame. Isn't that incredible? And I think one of the reasons why he doesn't say, by faith, Joshua led the people around, is because it wasn't about Joshua. It's about a group of people, a group of people who had faith in God enough to march around and say, you know, they got bows and arrows and stuff up there going, shoo, 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 shooting people and stuff. For seven days, they go out there and march around the city, tooting horns, worshiping God. And on the seventh time, seven days, and the walls fall down. How incredible is that? And then watch this. By faith, the harlot. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you said this is about people that, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is, this is the faith hall of fame. This is God's hall of fame. And guess who's listed there? A prostitute. Go figure, huh? You're sitting there going, I've got a past. Is your past like harlots, like, like prostitutes? Okay, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies um, with peace. Now, I don't have time to tell you the story, but the bottom line is a prostitute made the, 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 the Hebrews 11 Hall of Fame. How incredible is that? So you sit there going, I'm, I'm not good enough for this church thing. I'm not good enough for this God thing. You know, I'm not good enough. Dude, harlot made it. You know, okay. All right, and watch this. Watch this. And one more shall I say. For the time would fail me to tell you about Gideon. Now, Gideon was this dude, and when we were introduced to Gideon, he's down in a wine press where they made wine, hiding from the enemy. And this, like, angel shows up and says, Hello, mighty warrior. And Gideon's going, You have got the wrong guy. Have you not noticed where I am? I'm hiding from the enemy. I am not a mighty warrior. And yet this guy made the Hall of Fame. Say the Hall of Fame. And he sure did. And watch this. How about Barak? Barak. Now, Barak's a good story. A lady was like leading Israel. A woman was. Her name was Deborah. Okay? And Deborah's like bringing people before her, you know. And one of these guys, she calls for Barak. And, and Barak and, and says, hey, Barak, I want you to do this. Now, is God called you to do this, 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 and this? You know, you know, you know what the mighty warrior guy says? Uh, well, you know, if you'll go with me, ma'am, I'll go. He wanted a girl to go with him. He's a mighty warrior, all right. Now, girls, no offense. But when you think about mighty warriors, you know, leading defense, even today, you know, most women are allowed in combat. Brack says, I ain't going unless a girl goes with me. Oh, he's a mighty warrior, all right. But you know what? He made the Hall of Fame. How, is that incredible? Come on, is that incredible? Yeah, because you've got to be sitting there going, well, dude, maybe there's hope for me. Oh, it gets better. Watch this. And Samson. Now, you remember the story of Samson. Samson was set apart by birth, and he had a thing for girls. 
which is better than having a thing for guys. <laughs> you know, we had a thing for girls. Okay? And, and, but he, he was all stuck on himself. And eventually he gets a haircut he didn't want, loses his strength by a girl named Delilah. Remember that story? Samson and Delilah ends up having his eyes put out. But in the end, he kills more Philistines than he did the rest of the time of his whole life. But, dude, he failed morally. He failed every way. And yet, he's in the Hall of Fame. And I really like this one, too. Samson and then Jephthah. Who's Jephthah? Well, here's what the Bible says about Jephthah. I looked it up. Are you ready? Jephthah was a mighty, mighty warrior. Here's what it says. But he was the son of a prostitute. He was a mighty warrior. But, how many of y'all got I am buts all over you? I am but. I, I do this, but, 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 but. And because, I almost said something. Because of the conjunction but, <laughs> you think because you've got a but in your life. Oh, now I put the conjunction in there. All right? Because there's a big but, you don't think God can use you. Folks, that is no more than the enemy telling you that. Because this dude made the faith hall of fame, even though he was, but he was the son of a prostitute. And we could go on. We might as well get David in there. Remember David, a man after God's own heart, who uh, decided to have a girlfriend, who decided to have her husband murdered? And all these, these are the kinds of people... That, that the author of Hebrews says, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Here's the deal. Satan doesn't want you running. Listen, Satan doesn't want you making a difference. Satan doesn't want you living out loud. Satan doesn't want you serving the kingdom. Satan doesn't want you helping the kingdom. So he convinces you you're not worthy. And I direct your attention again to Hebrews 13. And God, through Christ, makes you worthy of surface. We've all got a checkered past, if that's the right word. We, we all have butts in our lives. We all have failed. But God invites us on the journey. He says, come along. And my point is this. If they ran, you can run. If they ran, I can run. So be encouraged today. Take the journey. Begin the journey. No matter what is in your past that you think disqualifies you. Cool. Encouragement from the stands. Now, we talk about the preparation part. He says, watch out for entanglement with stuff and sin. Watch this. Let, let us, let everybody... Lay aside, cast off, put off, okay, every weight. Now, this word weight means mass. Mass, okay? In fact, I loved it. In the Hebrew, the Greek I was looking up today, it actually mentioned the word bulge. You ever tried to run with the bulge? Have you ever had the battle of the bulge? Not the one in World War II. He says, we've got, listen, if you're going to run, you've got to lay aside, you've got to cast off, you've got to take off these things that would hinder you from running. A runner knows it's just easier to run when you're 20 pounds lighter if you're 20 pounds overweight. Now, these things may or may not be sins, but there are things that hinder us from running the journey. These children that did this play for us today, and they acted out the scene there. 
they had to make a commitment to save the shelter. If they were so busy doing other things, that wouldn't have been on their radar. And what Satan loves to do in this world, in this country, in this day we live in, he wants us to be so busy, we don't have time, we think, for the journey. So the author of Hebrews says, we've got to lay aside the bulge. We've got to lay aside the mass. We've got to take it off. And he says, the sin which so easily ensnares us. So we went from a hindrance, a mass, to a sin. Now watch this. Do you know what the word sin means in the, in the Greek there? Sin. Sin. It's things that offend holy God. It's not a hindrance to us. These are things that God says, this really offends me. Okay? And the author says, we've got to do away with these sins. Now, the idea is this. See, so easily ensnares us. The King James says, easily besets us, so easily besets us. A lot of good theologians believe, and you know this is true, that most of us have a wiring problem in our in ourselves, and there are certain sins or sin that we are more susceptible to. Okay? Some people are more susceptible to sexual sin. Okay? Some people are more susceptible to um, sins of the heart, like for unforgiveness and, and gossip and bitterness and anger. Okay? All those different things. And these are sins that, for whatever reason, it's just real easy for us to fall into. Okay? Like some of you, like my wife, Judy. Just someone said last week, you have a food illustration every week, and that is so true. Now, now my wife, Judy, likes food. Okay? But when I say she likes food, give her some meat and some potatoes and definitely some... Got to have something green on the plate. Vegetables like salad and green beans. She likes that stuff. And then you'll walk up and you'll say later on, would you like some dessert? She may take it and she may not because it is not a big deal to her. Now, I went to a great lunch last week. Okay? Before, before I went to the real food, Tracy, I walked over to the dessert table. I didn't know if I was going to die before we got through. Eat the dessert first because you may not make it through the meal. I went over there and got me a hunk of banana nut cake. And before one piece of regular food passed through my mouth, I had myself a piece of banana nut cake. I'm glad to announce I made it through the meal and got the real food too. That's my bent. I love sweets. I am very susceptible to sweets. Now, at the same time, Judy's very susceptible to things like honey mustard dressing. That's... Pretty high calorie. I checked on old Charlie. It's like 400 calories for a small cup. But that's her bent. I'm not tempted by by honey mustard dressing. Each one of us probably has something that we're easy to, you know, that we're susceptible to and give in to. So, So the author of Hebrews says, man, lay aside that sin that tangles us up. And that's the word, tangles us. One slows us down and the other makes us fall. Write that down. One slows us down, the weight, makes it hard to run, and the second one makes us fall. We stumble on our face. Okay? Now, you've got to be asking this, or you should be asking this. How, Dwayne, how do we lay aside, cast off the weight? And how do we cast off 
the sin that makes her stumble and fall. Well, you know what I've got right here? You know what that is? Someone tell me what that is. That is a scale. This is the truth. Now, let me tell you something. If you're washing your weight, some people say, use your pants. Your pants will lie to you. I found out if you can take, listen, did you know you can take pants if they're a little tight? Try this. Button them, put them on the floor, put your foot in it, and pull. Then put them on. And if they're going to stretch any, you're going to gain that right away. Your pants will lie, but this won't. How do you get rid of the bulge? A regular visit to the truth sayer. The truth will tell, this scale will tell you, you better lay off banana and nut cake. That idea about you might die before or the end of the meal isn't helping you. This will tell you the truth. Now, let me ask you a question. If you're wanting to get some weights out of your life, reorganize your priorities, how should I spend my time, how should I invest my life, how should I invest my talents, what would be a good scale that will tell you the truth, do you think? Say the Bible. Oprah will not. Dr. Phil will not. This will tell you how to get the weights off. This will help you with your priorities, how to spend your time, how to spend your abilities, and all of that. So if you want to get the weight off, get the scale out. And you'll be forced to face those issues every time you do. How do you get the sin off? How do you get the sin off? You ain't going to like this one. It involves, and we're going to do a whole message on this in July. It involves a C word. It's called confess. Confess. The way we get a handle on especially sins that so easily entangle us, if this is a weakness in our lives, is the word confession. Now, 1 John 1, 9, and you all know this verse, don't you? A lot of you all who go to church today. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. you all know that verse? you all like that verse, don't you? That's a good verse. It really is a good verse. If we, and what's cool is, it's not talking about salvation. It's talking about fellowship. Because it's talking about the believers. So if a believer sins, then we're to go, and this helps restore the fellowship. It keeps things good between me and God. Kind of like when you tell your wife you're sorry, it thinks, makes things good between you and Mama. Well, this, this makes it good between you and God. Alright? If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all righteousness. But now here's the problem. We have a little problem with interpretation. Because what we want to do is, is if we tell God we're sorry, He will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all righteousness. That ain't it. Sorry. The structure, no, not even structure, the bluntness of the Greek clearly says, if we will come to God and tell God of this sin with the intention of saying, God ain't going to do it no more. My intention is no more after this, God. This I see this as an affront to you. I see it as hurting me and hurting you. And God, it's over. That's what it's talking about. If we confess our sin. It's not going to tell God, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But here's there's more. Now, now, I've always said this. If it's a private sin, it needs private confession. If you do something that only God knows about, then you can tell God about it and confess it and say, God, this is, I wrote this is wrong. Would you forgive me? Okay? That's cool. 
But here's the problem. We want to do public sin and just tell God. And I don't think that's scriptural. I don't think it's scriptural. Okay? If we do public sin, then we need to be telling someone else besides God. We might need to be telling the people we've affected. So, Dwayne, exactly where is that found in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. In the book of James, chapter 5, here, and this is right out of context, not pulling something out, out of the air. Confess, say confess. Your, say your, say trespasses. Confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does a lot. It fails much. So the deal is this. So if we've got a public sin that we offend someone, you need to go to that person and tell them you're sorry. If it grows a group of people, you need to tell a group of people you're sorry. Now what's the power of that? Well, first off, it's scriptural. God honors scripture. But secondly, it's this. Let's say you have a little gossip problem. You like getting on the phone and saying, Did you hear about so-and-so? I can't believe she did that. And all of a sudden, that person calls that person who calls that person who accidentally calls the person you were talking about. And the person you're talking about finds out it was you. You can go ahead and tell God you're sorry, but I got a stinking suspicion you done figured it out. You got to go to that person. And you got to go to that person and say, I am sorry I was wrong. Well, Dwayne, that's hard. Is that hard? You think that might be a little bit of a deterrent from doing it the next time? You think you might take your grease fitting out of your gossiping jaw? You think you might get healed of your gossiping sin? If you realize every time you gossip, you've got to go to somebody and tell them you're sorry? You've got to be willing to look them in the eye and say, I was wrong? Talk to me now. Why are y'all so quiet for? You know why? Because you know I'm right. You don't want to go to people. Well, the answer is not not going. Because the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. The answer is, stop the besetting sin. And God gives us a little help with that. Confess your faults one to another. Well, Dwayne, i got good news for you. See, i got this porn problem. I like looking at porn on the internet. And my wife doesn't know. And, and, you know, my children don't know. It's just something, you know, between, between me and God. I really think it's offensive to God if you keep running back to God and saying, God, you're sorry about your porn. Because that's not true confession. Well, Dwayne, what can I do? I, I go to God and tell Him I'm sorry. Get you a prayer partner. Let's say I've got a porn problem, and I don't. But I've got a brother named David. So, David, we have a relationship. I wouldn't get your enemy to do this necessarily. But have a relationship with Dave and say, Dave, I've got a problem in my life. I like to look at porn on the internet. Now, please hear on the radio, the pastor does not have a porn problem. <laughs> Don't worry about have a deacon's meeting tonight. Quickly call them. If I knew that every Monday morning, I'm going to sit down with David over a cup of coffee. And David's going to say something like this. How's your life, Dwayne? Have you been on the internet this week? Have you looked at anything that might be offensive to God? If I knew I had to look at flesh and blood... In his eye, 
He's my friend. Now, he's not judging me. He's just trying to help me. Do you think I'd be a little less active on the Internet? What if that accountability partner is your wife? Woo! If you want a sweet marriage, you ever want to kiss her again, you'll lick that problem. Amen? Come on now. And see, listen, listen, listen. See, now right now Satan's going, oh, don't worry about that. That's because he don't want you on the journey. In fact, that's why he wants you filled with fear that someone's going to find out about something in your life. He wants you in bondage. And a man in bondage doesn't make a good marathon runner. A man in bondage, a woman in bondage, does not have a good journey with God. And God doesn't want you having a good excuse me, Satan doesn't want you having a good journey. That's just the bottom line. Just the bottom. He wants you miserable, and this is a good way to keep you miserable. That's how you use this with the weight problem, and you use confession, and we'll talk about it again in July. Alright? You use confession for the sin problem. Because listen, we're going to run. Here's the deal. We're going to run a journey. Have you figured that out? Whether you're really good and you follow the journey that God's got you, or you're over here. If you're over here away from God, you're still going to go in a journey. And you're still going to have problems. You're still going to lose jobs. You're still going to have sickness. You're still going to have pain. The only difference is you're going to be a long way from God. It makes sense to me, as a believer, if we're going to follow the journey, we might as well be close to God and get some help. Amen? Amen? All right, so lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us. Now watch. Three things. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us run. You know where most Christians spend their entire life? Right here. Actually, let's just, there's a piece of tape here. You can't see it. This is the starting line of the journey. On your mark, most Christians, believers, I'm sorry, most believers, and a whole lot of churches spend their whole eternal, or their lifetime existence right here going, should I run or shouldn't I run? You know, I saw the pastor, he wasn't running. I saw, I saw the worship leader, he didn't look like he was running either. You know that, that youth guy, I never see him running. I don't know if I ought to run or not. And you know the Presbyterians don't run. Why should the Baptists run? The Presbyterians aren't running. And you know, first Baptist Church, I never seen them running either. We spend our entire life here justifying why we don't run. And God's word says, run! Run! I can't, I keep saying this, I can't find a scripture that says, just never start. I find one that says, wait upon the Lord. I can't find one that says, just spend your life, pray your prayer, get your relationship, and just wait at the starting line. No, we're supposed to run. We're supposed to run. And when I thought we're supposed to run, we're supposed to run with endurance. So we are to start and then run with endurance or continuance. Okay? Run with continuance. This is not, this is not a hundred yard sprint. This is a continual thing. We're to run this thing with endurance, with patience, as King James says. Keep going. Now, I love this because in the, in the Greek, the thought is this. Two keys. First off, this. We're to run cheerfully. Cheerfully. I wish, David, I just wish we could somehow show the video you showed me about the marathon runner. I know we couldn't, but I wish we could. It's just private. Matt, you know about it. I just wish it was because it really expressed the emotions. Not only we to run. I mean, guys, if you're here today and you're a guest, 
And you're not even sure you buy into the God thing anyway. Just tune out for a moment. Guys, the world's watching us in this race, and here's what it sounds like. I'm going to run this race. Oh, why God said I have to run? God's not faithful. I'm going to, it's hard. Oh, gosh. I hate this. God, I just hate this. And we're wondering why people don't want what we got. They're saying, if that's fun, I don't want it. And the context of endurance is with cheerfulness. We're, we're running this race like we want to. Run with cheerfulness. And watch this. And I, I thought this was really interesting. It also carries the idea of waiting. There might be times when we run that we may have to slow down a little bit. Might have to mark time. Okay, God. I'm still running. I'm waiting on you, though. God, give me the direction. You won't. Run with cheerfulness. Run with hopefulness. Run with waiting. The race that is set before us. See, everybody's got an individual race. You don't run Dwayne's race, and I don't run John Calvert's race. We individually have races. Now watch this. Watch this. Same goal. Every believer's got the same goal. Say the same goal. Well, Dwayne, what's the same goal? His to-do list. His to-do list. To bring glory to God and to help people find the kingdom through Jesus Christ. The same goal. What's what's your goal for life, son? To bring glory to God. To bring people into relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Dwayne, what's what's the goal for the church? To glorify God. To bring people into the kingdom through His Son, Jesus Christ. Same goal. Same direction. If you find yourself constantly meeting people, you might be going the wrong way. If you're a believer, you should be running the same direction as other believers. The Presbyterian believers, the Methodist believers, now I'm using that word believers, um, the, the, you know, the non-denational believers, all those believers, you should be running with them. The same direction, but watch this. The details are different. The pace might be different. The attire might be different. But the details are different. But we got the same goal in the same direction with different details. I can't run your race. You can't run my race. But that is the tendency to do. We look at a person and say, I want to run their race. You've got to run the race set before you. God in His loving mercy has given you a race to run. Isn't that cool? Now my race, by the way, may have more hills than yours. You may have a flat course and I may have a lot of hills. Mine may have more curves and yours may be straight. But because God ordains the journey, God ordains the race, and He does. Y'all just pause here. Two months ago, we would never dream we're going to have a funeral service for J.R. Reynolds. Never dreamed that. But God knew it. And God is and was in control. And I didn't know it. But when that race on Friday ended for J.R., he was welcomed into glory to meet his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. God didn't lose control. 
Satan didn't win. Yeah, Satan didn't win and cancer didn't win. God was calling the shots. And we didn't know his race was going to end that quick. In fact, you don't know when your race is going to end and how quickly it is. But when we run, same goal, same direction, different details, and trusting Jesus. And that's the last thing. There's this endearment to say, look, look, look. And we don't have time. Just let me read it to you. Looking unto Jesus. The author of Hebrews says, here's the divine supreme example. All those guys in Hebrews 11 that were imperfect, here's your perfect example. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. The author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him, looking beyond this life, he endured the old rugged cross. He despised the shame. But now he sat down at the right hand. Stay with me. If you could interview Jesus right now. Jesus, how did you how did you go through the cross? Now you don't like to think this, but we have every indication to believe that Jesus was hung totally naked before the world. This loincloth idea probably didn't happen. I might as well, I've opened the door now, I might as well finish it. You know, when they had the Roman races. The runners ran naked. There was no one cloth. And when the same Roman government, when they crucified people, they were naked. Imagine the shame. Imagine the shame. Jesus, how did you endure such shame? And only that, Jesus, it was a Roman cross. That made you a criminal. Jesus, how is it that you became sin for us that we might become? How did you endure that? Looking. Looking. What does it say? Looking. 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 For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He knew that this journey... Oh, stay with me. He knew that this journey was not all there was. In fact, in one of the Gospels, I'm not sure which one it is, it says that Jesus knew where he came from and knew where he was going. And he knew what was going to happen when he got there. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Hey, believers, on this journey, would you do me a favor? Do yourself a favor? Remind me when I need it. This journey is not all there is. You've been taught in this world, amass all that you can, get all you can, pour it into this world, baby, because that's all there is. Lie, lie, lie. This is 70 years. For the believers in Jesus Christ, somewhere beyond the last heartbeat, somewhere beyond the last breath, is eternity with God Almighty. And it will be worth it all. I have not seen, ears not heard what God has prepared for us. So run, brothers and sisters. Don't listen to the crowd who will tell you it's not worth it. Don't run and listen to the crowd who will tell you, go this way. Run the race set before you with cheerful hearts, joyful hearts. Don't be distracted. Don't be pulled away. And it will be worth it all. Would you bow your head right there where you are?
if you're here today, first off, I just want to tell you thank you for coming. And like I said, I, I know you probably see church on the outside and you go, there's just a bunch of people who think they're better than me. They think they're good and I'm not. I'm not a member of their club. Let me just apologize for that. Because if that's a message the church is sending, we are like so wrong. Because the Bible says everybody's sinned. But you saw Hebrews 11. Those dudes had a checkered past. Like crazy. Just... For a lot of us, one day we met Jesus. And not because we were good or anything, He forgave our sins. We were going to experience the same, the full wrath of God. And one day we met Jesus who paid the price of that wrath. And we've been forgiven, that's it. Heaven's not for good people and hell for bad people. Heaven's for forgiven people. And hell's about people who rejected Jesus Christ. Nothing to do with church or anything like that. And I would really love to chat with you. Brother Brent's going to stand out front. And, and there was a time maybe in our history of America when, I, when a pastor could say, come down and talk to Brother Brent. It'd be so easy. But we've become a more private people, and I'm aware of that. The truth is, I, I really don't want to tell you about I really want to tell you about Jesus. I don't want to tell you about church. I want to tell you about being a Baptist. I want to tell you about Jesus. And my wife will be waiting at the welcome desk. And if you'll go by there and say, hey, I, I, I'd like to talk to this pastor. I want to, I, I want to talk to him. We'd be, we would love that. We'll come to your house. I'll meet you for coffee. I'll meet you. I'll even buy you breakfast. Just, just let her know at the welcome desk. I'll be standing at the back door. I'd be glad to try to chat with you. I want you to meet Jesus Christ because he's incredible. He really is. And I said my apologies for sometimes when we've made church. These are good people. We just sometimes, and we just, me included, sometimes send the wrong message. We love you. And God loves you a whole bunch. Secondly, this. I really want to encourage those of you who count yourself as believers in Jesus Christ, to really get on board the journey. People in Africa, they have to worry about losing their head, being rejected by their families, losing their jobs and their incomes. That's their, what they battle. We battle culture in America. Because culture in America, we have so much affluence, and it robs us of the journey. And you have to be constantly aware of that and doing constant course corrections to stay on track with God. I just want to encourage you to do that. And again, if I can help you, Dwayne, do you struggle? Boy, do I ever. I sometimes forget what I'm called to do. Not, I won't say recently, but I'm going to tell you something. I'll be very candid with you. It's awful easy for a pastor to worry about, worry about keeping his job and not doing what God wants him to do. That's a tough one. So Dwayne, do you struggle? I sure do. Sure did. So if I can help you though and pray with you, I'd be glad to do that. We call this a decision time, a commitment time. This place down here where these steps are, they're steps, but it's also a place where if you need prayer today, and we're going to pray for our, for our Nicaragua team. We're going to pray for JR's uh, family, Nita and the girls. We're going to pray for other folks at the end of our service. We'll be glad to do that. If we can if you just want to come down and pray, uh, we welcome you that. But 
Right now, I'd like to just pray for us, okay? Father, I want to thank you for the incredible privilege of sharing your word today. God, there's so much truth in these two verses. And they heard it today. I heard it first, this morning and this week. And now they've heard it. And God, the bottom line is, we've got to tell them we're going to do this truth. Help us do the right thing. For my friends here today who's, who's never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, here at this altar, out the door, sometime this week, God, would you just draw them to you? Let them see past all the confusion that we sometimes throw up. And just come to you. Make a commitment to run the race, the journey with Christ. Establish a relationship. Start the journey. Father, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, we've made a commitment. And God, I've confessed, and I bet they would be willing to too, that we often get distracted from the journey. We're crying for your help. Help us get in your words so we lay aside the weight. Help us get rid of these besetting sins. The ones we wrestle with every single day. God, help us, please. And Father, we're going to trust through your Holy Spirit that you'll do something great in our midst today in the hearts of your people. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.